Возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к предверию нашей надежды, да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа, мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которое очертила десница Твоя для поклонения Святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество – все это да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег могущества Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего, пропитай нас Духом Твоим святым, позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки, веди его рукою превознесенную, великий Бог, Отец, Сын, Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь, можете садиться.
Принесло нам и радость и свет, Да звучит в городах и селения, Он воистину в славе воскрес, Он воскрес и его воскресенье. Принесло нам и радость и свет, Да звучит в городах и селения, Он воистину в славе And so, before we continue to submerge into our inheritance to study it, the unchanging epigraph of the study of our inheritance in God is Luke 24, 44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And so, for us as partakers of the body of Christ, to share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about him in Scripture, we shall continue our study of our collaboration with the Holy Spirit and what is necessary to be done from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so we put on the new way or form of life. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. <clears throat> that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And to fulfill this command, we need to utilize three charging and fundamental verbs. And these are to put off, be renewed, and put on. Your decision regarding these three destiny-affecting questions will depend on whether you transform yourself into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath, or more specifically, will the completion of our salvation happen that is given to us in the format of a guarantee, or will we lose it and our names be forever blotted out of the book of life, although they may have been written there at one point. In a particular format, we have already looked at the first two questions and have been studying the question, what conditions are to be fulfilled so that by the means of an already renewed mind we begin the process of dressing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. Linked to clothing ourselves into our new person, we came to the conclusion that we need God's help. That is, we need His mercy. The means of receiving any kind of help from God, that is, receiving God's mercy, is in accordance to scripture, prayer, and worship. 
the ability to call upon God. Prayer itself, prayer itself is the right that a man gives heaven to be able to intervene on earth. And we are called to give God this right only upon his established conditions. One of these is the prayer of David written in the 143rd Psalm where we give, where he give, uh, where David gave God that right to interlope or interject into his life. The mercy that continued in his heart within the rightful boundaries of the field of truth is the exact component of our next subject of study. Psalm 143 and lower. Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness answer me, and in your righteousness. Do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in, you, in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul, he has crushed my life to the ground, he has made me to dwell in darkness. Like those who have long been dead, therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me, my heart within me is distressed, I remember the days of old, I meditate on all your works, I muse on the works of your hands, I spread out my hands to you, my soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. For your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. Therefore, to be heard by God, David needed to present to God a basis, a cause or a particular right that would be able to serve as sufficient evidence before God to intervene into David's life with his faithfulness and his righteousness. And such evidence in this particular prayer were ten arguments that David presented to God saying, hear me and hear my prayer. Hear my prayer in your faithfulness and your righteousness. Hear my prayer because I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. Hear my prayer because I spread out my hands to you. Hear my prayer for in you do I trust. Hear my prayer because I lift up my soul to you. Hear my prayer because in you I take shelter. Hear my prayer for you are my God. Hear my prayer for your name's sake. Hear my prayer for your righteousness' sake. Hear my prayer for I am your servant. In the previous services, we had already studied the nature of the first argument that gave God the lawful right to stand on the side of David in his oppositions against his enemies. And stop to study the second argument. This is evidence of the fact that David abided in the memories of the days of old and all of the, all of the deeds that God had done in those days. This is a very, fairly important part of faithfulness and righteousness in which David continued and what he presented to God in prayer as an argument saying, hear me because as I remember the days of old and all your works done by you in those days. Therefore, to keep within your heart the memories of the olden days and all of the works of God that God had done in those days, 
This, in essence, is to keep in your heart faithfulness and righteousness that testify before God of the results of the great work of redemption, giving God the ability to reveal within our heart the multitude of His mercies. In other words, speaking to be heard by God in the revelations of His Urim, because the Urim is light and revelation that reveals that question that is within you. It is necessary to keep within your mind or upon the tablets of your heart, the Thummim, the works of God, His Thummim, that God has done in the days of old. The Thummim, this is what the, the information we receive, that God, the work God has done in the old days. For this reason, we came to the necessity to study a series of such questions. What are, who, in essence, is the remembrance of the works of God imprinted in the days of old? What purpose is the remembrance of the works of God called to fulfill imprinted in the days of old? What price is necessary to be paid to have remembrance of the works of God done in the days of old? And what results follow from having in yourself the remembrance of the works of God done by Him in the days of old? Studying the first question, what by itself is memory in its essence as well as its definition we came to the conclusion that memory that is contained in man identifies the essence of this person as well as his sovereign boundaries for as he thinks in his heart so is he Proverbs 23 7 and so it seems that memory is the is the identification of the person himself. Considering that memory is information contained in the form of thoughts, we keep upon the tablets of our heart and thereafter proclaim before God his works done by him in the days of old. We transform into the image of our thinking, identifying within our heart the works of God done by him in the days of old. From our side, this is the right that we give God for the entry of His mercies into our life. As it is written, Jonah 2.7, When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Therefore, keeping, keeping in yourself this memory of the days of old or his works done in the days of old, God would not have remembered in the format of his urim. He would not have responded to Jonah's prayer. Keeping within your heart the memory of the works of God done by him in the days of old, we blot out the memory of the works of men as well as the information that has been passed down to us from the sinful life of our parents. And the opposite effect, when you focus your eyes and your thoughts upon the works of men, we blot out the memory of the works of God within our heart, and in this way deprive ourselves of the right to eternal life, and ourselves condemn ourselves to perish into the lake of fire. The memory of a person by itself is the strength and weapon of a man, and if you take his memory from him, he will appear as a destroyed city. O enemy destructions are finished forever, and you have destroyed cities, even their memory has perished. Psalm 9.6 <clears throat> Remembrance of the works of God in the heart of a person is the inheritance of Christ, and this inheritance is passed down exclusively from one righteous generation to another righteous generation. But you, O Lord, shall endure forever in the remembrance of your name to all generations. Psalm 102.12 the remembrance of the works of God, sealed upon the heart of a person, is the holiness of God and the component of His unfading glory. Psalm 34, sing praise to the Lord, you saints of His. <clears throat> and based upon the many sentences in Scripture, all of the miracles and works of God that were done by Him in the days of old is a revelation of who God is to us and what He has done for us.
He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, Psalm 111.4. Studying the second question, what purpose is the remembrance of the works of God done in the days of old, written upon the tablets of our heart, called to fulfill in our relationship with God? We, in a particular format, have already looked at three components that serve as a memorial before God and stop to study the fourth component, This is the breastplate of judgment that contains in itself the mystery of the Urim and the Thummim, by the means of which God was able to hear man and man was able to hear God. We note that the breastplate of judgment that lay next to the heart upon the chest of the high priest is fundamentally different from the other items that also served as a memorial before God. In their status, their extraordinary and their purpose. Unlike the other items, they were a memorial, but the breastplate of judgment is a continuing memorial before God. And so these other items, again, they are not a continual memorial. As you remember, God remembered Noah, or God remembered Abraham, or God remembered his covenant. He remembers specific promises in the moment that it's needed. If he uh, had planned that something will happen at a certain time, then he will fulfill it within that time, but he will not keep it in his mind continuously. But the item of the breastplate of judgment is a continual memorial before before God. It's a continual memory, a continual memorial. Some people say it's impossible because a person can't uh, handle something uh, that is continuous. He wants something changing. Sometimes people say, well, well, some people will say, why are you moving uh, in the same way for such a long time? Do something different because they can't tolerate it, something continuing. But the breathplate of judgment is before God continuously, and before God, it, God, for God, it's extremely valuable, it's extremely important, and he wants to continually see it before him. We note that the breastplate of judgment as an item of continual remembrance or a continuing memorial before God is a symbol of the format of continual prayer, prayer that is not in accordance to the requirements and characteristics of the breastplate of judgment, does not have the right to be called prayer. Because only the format of continuous prayer presented in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest gives us the right to enter into the holy place as kings and priests of God. We are called to present the interests of the judgments of God in accordance to those commandments and statutes that identify the union of teachings of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, in the twelve precious stones and the twelve names of the sons of Jacob written upon these stones. We mean here the breastplate of judgment because it was of 12 stones, four rows, three stones per row, and within they were writ- there were names carved out on every single stone, the 12 names of Jacob. Colossians 4.2, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. 
And so thanksgiving, because practically everything that we will ask for, God has already responded to it, and this response is already in Jesus. And so you can begin immediately by saying, thank you, Lord, that you have responded to this prayer, that this response is already given, and it's in Jesus Christ. And now I need to write out a check to be able to take from my account that is in Jesus Christ what belongs to me, but it already is there, exists. <clears throat> Continuity in prayer is being vigilant, standing guard of the doors of your heart, which, call, uh, which is called to deliver us from the coming trials. Such vigilance is identified as a brightly burning lamp that identifies the condition or state of our heart. The spirit of a person, if it has the life of God, it, it burns brightly. If the life of God dims, then the lamp begins to dim, because the lamp of the Lord is the spirit of men that tests the depths of his heart. Luke 21, 36, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. The building order of the breastplate of judgment presents the demands that the true worshiper of God need to have, whom God seeks. Breaking the order of, bu of the building, identifying the state and nature of the worshiper, will not be able to be called the breastplate of judgment. John 4, 23 through 24, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Upon practice, worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth includes not peddling with the truth when pursuing the goals that God has placed in Scripture, as people have done at all times and many do today, because of their stiff neck and hypocrisy. We note that in the Septuagint, that is how our <coughs> the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible is, the breastplate of judgment is called the sign of justice. The symbol of the breastplate of judgment is revealed as the conscience of a man purified from dead, dead works, upon the tablets of whom just as a sign in the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh is written. In this way, specifically, the conscience that is purified of dead works, with the writing of faithfulness and righteousness upon its tablets, will identify the nature of a true worshiper that will give God the right to act in them and through them upon planet Earth. And it is these kinds of worshiper that the Heavenly Father seeks for himself. In a particular format, we have already studied the measurements and the materials from which the breastplate of judgment was supposed to be built, and have been stopped and have stopped to study the next requirement in building the breastplate of judgment. That reads, and you shall put settings of stone in it, four rows of stones. This is sardius, topaz, and emerald. The next is turquoise, sapphire, and diamond. For a third, jacinth, agate, and amethyst, and fourth, beryl, onyx, and jasper, they shall be set in gold settings. And the stones shall have the names of the sons of Israel, twelve according to their names. Like the engraving of a sign, each one with its own name, they shall be according to the twelve tribes. <clears throat> this is Exodus 28, 17 through 21. The 12 golden filigree settings of the breastplate of judgment is a symbol of God's judgment. This is the pure word of God, the, the, the statutes of God, the commandments of God that can't be more narrow or be changed because the word of God is unchanging. It is God's law. We can't change God's law. And so the 12 golden filigree settings are the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, written upon the tablet of our heart that we as worshipers of God are called to present in our continual prayer. 
Его and <coughs> you can't uh, pedal with it or change it somehow. The 12 precious stones with the engraved upon them as a sign that you could do whatever you want so that they'd be in accordance to the uh, measurement of the of the mounts, of the, of the settings that you need to mount into. <coughs> and so specifically, uh, the names engraved upon them as assigned names of the sons of Israel is an image and format of continual prayer presenting the perfect judgments of God. We need to <coughs> present these judgments of God in prayer, not upon our own mind or intellect, but as they're presented in Scripture, not how we see it, but how Scripture is saying. <clears throat> Continual prayer is a persisting prayer, and it, it's an expression of our hope or reliance upon God. A persistent prayer, a persistent, persistent prayer, continual prayer is a persistent prayer. That doesn't mean you stand 24 hours a day on your knees. This is working, walking, doing something, but inside, in the, inside of yourself, you have a goal that you place before God. Proclaim it and uh, be persistent with it. And be, this is continual prayer. <clears throat> and such hope and reliance upon the tablets of our heart presented in the 12 precious stones upon the breastplate of judgment with the carved upon them 12 names of the sons of Jacob. Hebrews 10.35 Therefore do not cast away your confidence which has great reward. Hope with the absence of the breastplate of judgment upon the tablets of our heart this breastplate containing the virtue of the 12 precious stones with the carved upon them 12 names of the sons of Jacob cannot be hope. And to better understand how the building of the breastplate of judgment upon the tablets of our hearts will be a continual holiness and remembrance before God, the names of the sons of Israel carved upon the twelve precious stones need to be written upon the tablets of our heart by the order of their birth. You see this uh, on, that <coughs> on, the, on the grid that you've been given. There are uh, four rows and three per row. The building of preparing of the breastplate of judgment contains the same order that the 12 precious foundations of the wall of the New Jerusalem have, as well as the order of the 12 pearly gates have. However, they have a different function and different purpose. And so there may be the same kinds of stones made uh, exist in both, but not all, always, because every one of these 12 uh, have a different purpose. The wall of the 12 foundations has one purpose, the gates have a different purpose. The tree that bears fruit 12 times has a third purpose or meaning, and the breastplate of judgment has is an item of continual prayer that has 12 precious stones. <coughs> And we will remember that all of the beauty and order of the temple, the entire temple, was built for one holy item and for the sake of one single item, and this was the golden ark of the covenant. For the sake of this covenant, the temple existed. The same thing with the ephod of the high priest. With the connected to it breastplate of judgment, it was created for and served only one holy item. This item very accurately was called to duplicate and fulfill the function of the golden ark. This was the Urim and the Thummim. The golden ark, <coughs> the, hi the high priest was not always in the temple, but when he left the temple, this temple, temple would be on him.
because the golden ark as well as the breastplate of judgment symbolically represented the conscience of a man that is cleansed from dead works. The Urim and the Thummim is light and perfection, light and the right, or revelation and the truth. The Ten Commandments that were placed inside the Ark of the Covenant was the truth, and this truth upon the breastplate of judgment is the Thummim. The revelation that a person would receive at the mercy seat or the lid of the Ark of the Covenant is the Urim in the breastplate of judgment. Therefore, only a person that contains a conscience that is cleansed from dead works or a wise heart upon the tablets of whom the truth is written can be a worshiper of God. This is the Thummim. That is why the revelation of God, we know that the conscience purified from dead works, it does not yet mean that the thummim is there yet. When the conscience is cleansed from dead works, only then can you write the teaching of Jesus Christ. While the conscience is not cleansed, you will not be able to write anything there. That is why the conscience cleansed from dead works and the written teaching, we receive the teaching and we write it there, it goes into our conscience and when we do something wrong, our conscience begins to judge us. That is why if we unfaithfully have written the teaching, then the conscience will unfaithfully judge us. That is why a conscience of a weak person always condemns him inaccurately. He, uh, instead of condemning, judging himself, he judges uh, others, and uh, their sister or their brother. Why does she have these kinds of earrings? Why does she have makeup? Why does she have this kind of skirt? You see that he or she, in, in their conscience, they begin to judge others, and the conscience is called to judge only yourself. That is why, however a person may lead a so-called holy life, he'll go to hell. Why? Because he's always judging his neighbor. And when he's taking part in communion, because he does not judge himself, he judges his neighbor, he is going to hell. But he thinks he's going to heaven. He's continually judging. This is how it needs to be. This is as if he's placed here as God. It's one thing when the pastor who's placed by God and who's required to do this, but when every person begins to judge his neighbor, then this is complete anarchy. This is a crime before the Lord. And so when there is a revelation there, then in this revelation a person watches after himself, he is responsible for himself. <clears throat> and so then the Lord places his thumb, uh, Urim, he comes to this uh, truth, Exodus 31, 6. I have put wisdom in the heart of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. And so the revelation of God by the means of the Urim, was able to be within the boundaries of truth that Thummim presented in the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. Practically, it's talking about the quality of wisdom that is contained in the Urim and the Thummim, and the fact that the carrier of the Thummim and the Urim is a worshiper of God and has the immune system of the Holy Spirit. Deuteronomy 33, 8-11 And of Levi he said, Let your Thummim and your Urim be with your Holy One, whom you tested at Masa, and with whom you contended at the waters of Merbah, who says of his father and mother, I have not seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers, nor or know his own children, for they have observed their word and kept their covenant. They shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and a whole burnt sacrifice on your altar. Bless his substance, Lord, and accept the works of his hands. Strike the loins of those who rise against him, and of those who hate him, that they rise 
that they rise not again. And so those who have this urim and this thummim, if someone lifts their hand against them and begins to judge them that they're doing something wrong, but if they are possessors of this urim and the thummim, it says that strike the loins of those who rise up against him and of those who hate him, that they rise not again. That blessing that, that Moses blessed the Levites with, or the more accurately, the worshipers of God, the worship in spirit and in truth, we can see that if a person has an absence of this Urim and the Thummim, their, their future is in the lake of fire. In a particular format, we have already studied the first five qualities of a worshiper in the virtue of five precious stones, the ruby, topaz, emerald, carbuncle, and sapphire. They had upon them carved like on a signet the names Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, and Dan. By, then, by them, God was able to continually reveal his interests upon planet Earth. And stop to study the sixth quality of a worshiper revealed upon the breastplate of judgment of our heart in the virtue of the precious stone diamond. Sixth quality and the sixth name in the second row from the bottom upon the precious stone of the breastplate of judgment of our heart is the name of the sixth son of Jacob, Neftali, which means wrestler. Genesis 37 and 8. And Rachel's maid Bela conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With great wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. We noted that the diamond is a brilliant stone. The word brilliant really doesn't apply to any other stone except for the diamond. This includes gemstones faceted in some other kind of way that isn't a brilliant shine and polish of a diamond. This is the, most, the strongest precious stone. The diamond or the brilliant stone is a pure carbon and that is why it has, possesses such a hardness or solidity. From ancient times, the diamond was considered a symbol of power, success, luxury and victory. The diamond was valued for its healing qualities and durability and of course its aesthetic qualities. Only people belonging to a higher class were allowed to wear decorations with diamonds. Considering the meaning of the name Naftali, wrestler, carved upon the precious stone diamond, a weapon we need to utilize to confront and battle against our enemies, this is continual prayer in the power of the Holy Spirit that is in accordance to the requirements of the precious diamond stone faceted with brilliant polish. According to the Jewish rabbinate, the, names, the name of God we see revealed in the precious diamond stone in Hebrew is El Hai, which when translated means God is alive. If you sometimes go to uh, Israel, they say, Hi, Israel, hi. May Israel live. But here it's talking about the name of the living God, El Hai. God is almighty, El is God is all-powerful, God is alive. The living God, God is alive. Therefore, based on the definition of the name Naphtali upon the precious diamond stone, we can conclude that the function of the sixth principle placed into the foundation of our continual prayer with which we need to be a continual memorial before God is our ability to allow the Holy Spirit to abide with us in our prayer battles against the powers of hell which confront us when we fulfill the will of God by the name of the living God.
In other words, we need to use within our prayer the name of the living God against all those who confront us. Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. No one can call Jesus Lord, but only the Holy Spirit, only in, to in tongues can the name of the living God be spoken in our language, with our intellect. When we speak it, we don't understand or fit the meaning of the living God, which is why it says, with all prayer and supplication, pray in spirit. The Holy Spirit conjoins us in our prayer battles upon one condition. This means the diamond, the Holy Spirit, conjoins us in this battle. The Holy Spirit is a, a, a prayer worshiper, and he conjoins to those who are also like this upon one condition, and that is when our prayer satisfies the requirements of the perfect will of God, contained upon the tablets of our heart in the conditions of the breastplate of judgment. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At His wrath the earth will tremble and the nations will not be able to endure His indignation. Jeremiah 10.10 in Hebrew, the meaning, definition of alive when it comes to God means abiding, who is, with unconditional authority, defining Genesis, creating Genesis, holding Genesis, keeping Genesis, ruling over the Genesis, and commander and lord of Genesis. Practically, in this name, we see the name Yahweh. Joshua 3, 10 through 13, and Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hevites and Parasites and Gershites and Amorites and Jebusites. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, and the waters that come down from the upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. You see what the living God has done. Here's what the living God will do. He told them beforehand, when you go, he shall drive away from among you all the enemies. And those who carry this ark, they will put their feet in the water, and the, and the enemies that want to destroy God's people. But the Lord says through Joshua, you shall know that the living God is among you when this Jordan will stop. The nations living upon the territory of the land of Israel that is our primary enemy symbolize our genetic program which we have inherited from the sinful conduct of our fathers. This is our genetical sicknesses, any kind of, anyone who is familiar with uh, medical things, medics say that 99% of the sicknesses are genetic sicknesses. They are not obtained, but those that are genetically inherited because they're placed into us as programs and they need to wake up at some point in a person's life. That's how they're placed in there and this program turns on. And so this is against uh, whom we need to use the name El Hai, the living God, 
to be able to blot out this sinful life of the fathers, what the name of the living God has done. You will look and when you remember what God has done, how he drove out all the nations and stopped the Jordan, and you will see in this Jordan this program of death and it shall be here in your mind and you'll see that God has stopped this death by the name of the living God his living his name living God El Hai and this will blot out the genetical program within your cells the sinful conduct of our fathers is a sinful life identifying the program of the second death or eternal death and to blot out this program of death from your essence it is necessary in your prayer battle to counter or replace it with the program of life that is contained in the name of the living God presented upon the tablets of our heart in the breastplate of judgment upon the precious diamond with the name Naphtali therefore based on the characteristics contained in the virtues of the name of God El Hai or the God is God who is alive, we can conclude that the quality of a worshiper contained in the name of the living God is called to de demonstrate a limitless or unconditional power of God over Genesis in the allotted to us time and boundaries. Continuing that we, by the means of confessing the faith of our heart, present the characteristics of the living God in our continual prayer before God, it is necessary in the allotted to us time and boundaries of our dwelling to be dr dressed or clothed into the life of God that is our inner person in the resurrection of Christ and to present the virtues and qualities of a worshiper worshiping in spirit and in truth and the qualities of the precious diamond presenting the living God with the carved upon it name of Niftali whose name means wrestler or a man giving the Holy Spirit the ability to battle together with him against the organized powers of hell or darkness confronting us when we fulfill the will of God. We turn to the significantly, significantly important characteristics contained in the name of the living God, identifying virtues of the brilliant diamond that every worshiper of God needs to possess in their prayer battle, identifying the qualities of the name Naphtali. That is why we came to the necessity to determine what goal does God have in his, in his intentions when he urges and calls his children to become warriors in prayer, and in what way or upon what conditions is God able and desires to give man the right to become a warrior in prayer so that man may present the interests of God and implement or actualize his inheritance in God. Based on scripture, to be a warrior in prayer is the lawful and privileged inheritance of holy men of all times. This is their primary or first most purpose that is revealed in their calling, to trample upon uncleanness and the unclean in their prayer battles. This is one of the greatest positions that is gifted by God to man, in which a person becomes a king and a priest to God and is seen by God as a brilliant stone or the diamond stone with the name of Naphtali, when he becomes a king and a priest to God. If he's not a king and a priest, he cannot be a worshiper of God. The prayer of a warrior in prayer is a sacral or holy mystery that has an unearthly genesis, therefore is inaccessible to the comprehension of the human mind or with human abilities. From all forms of service, this form of prayer is the most difficult form of service that most Christianity, for the most part, avoids, forsakes, and refuses. 1 Timothy 1.18, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. <clears throat> 
to define and build a specific system that will help us comprehend the signs identifying a warrior in prayer that would be able to be based on specific commandments of God and upon the specific fulfillment of these commandments based upon the revelations written in scripture our prayer and the quality of a warrior in prayer identified by the virtues of the diamond needs to be relentless persistent diligent or zealous with boldness with reverence with faith and hope upon God with thanksgiving with joy in the fear of the Lord and in the Holy Spirit or praying in tongues therefore the preamble or before word of the following signs which are commandments I would like to remind us that ignorance and prayer for many Christians will be <clears throat> is and will be a stumbling block and barrier not only for rapture before the morning star but their salvation from death from the threat of their uncrucified soul if the soul is not crucified and will not be eliminated it will kill you before you end up in heaven First of all, we need to know that a person who does not have the quality of a warrior in prayer is no longer seen as a house of God in accordance to Scripture. In result, God abandons such a house as God can only be or find rest in His own house. That is called the house of prayer. Isaiah 56, 7, Even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings, their sacrifice will be acceptable on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And so to be a light for all nations. Specifically, the virtue and rank of a warrior in prayer received by us upon the conditions of God make us a house of prayer. Looking at the ordinances in Scripture, prayer that is made outside of the given conditions of God transforms our house from a house of prayer into a den of robbers. Mark 11:17. Then he taught, saying to them, "It is not is is it not written, My house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of thieves." A prayer of a, or a, of a warrior of prayer is the only means given, giving us the ability to cooperate with God or seek God to communicate with. With him and to get to know him in his word and through his word and as we have already noted this prayer needs to begin by listening to God and only after can it be expressed in sermon song prayer and in tongues prayer and prayer in tongues and prayer and thoughts Psalm 46 through 8. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, my ear you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. Psalm 46 through 8. It's talking about Jesus and, of course, the students of Christ as well. Based upon Scripture, sacrifices or offerings by themselves in the house of God have never been and will never be the primary thing. If the ear will be close to listening to the Word of God, then this person in his offerings, in his prayers, will always be forcing his will upon God. And just as soon as this begins to happen, that a person will be forcing his will upon God, then the ha this kind of prayer, this house of prayer in God's eyes will immediately turn into a den of robbers. The el next element in the system of the warrior in prayer reveals that the virtue of a warrior in prayer needs to be in accordance to the virtue of the bronze altar. Any sacrifice or offering is always a symbol of prayer, but not every prayer is a sacrifice or offering, because not everyone that prayed had the right to offer fragrant incense or be a worshiper of God. Psalm 141.2, let my prayer be set before you as incense. 
the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. And so David clearly was presenting his prayer as an evening sacrifice, and evening sacrifice is, in comparison to the morning, was more acceptable because a person completely finished the day and perfectly presenting. Although the bronze altar was located in the outside courtyard of the temple, all other life functions of the temple and all the services of the temple, including the holy place, which consisted of the holy place and holy of holies, depended from this altar. For example, to enter before the face of the Lord into the holy place, a warrior in prayer, the priest, needed to take a whole censer full of hot coals and fragrant finely ground incense from the bronze altar and bring it into in behind the veil and it, he shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the testimony lest he die then he shall bring its blood inside the veil and he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord then he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times Leviticus 16 13 through 19 everything depends from the fire that is upon the bronze altar the golden altar of incense upon which every morning and every evening the fragrant incense was offered also depended from the bronze altar the reason is that in order to accomplish this work every morning and every evening it was necessary to take coals from the bronze altar and bring them into the holy place for the golden altar of incense you shall make an altar to burnt incense on it you shall make it of acacia wood and you shall overlay its tops and sides all around and its horns with pure gold and you shall make it make for it a molding of gold all around and you shall put it before the veil that is before the ark of the testimony before the mercy seat that is over the testimony where I will meet with you Aaron shall burn on it sweet incense every morning when he tends the lamps and shall burn incense on it and when Aaron lights the lamps on twilight he shall burn incense on it a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations you shall not offer strange incense on it or a burnt offering or a grain offering nor shall you pour a drink offering on it and Aaron shall make atonement upon its horns once a year with the blood of the sin offering atonement once a year he shall make atonement Exodus 31 through 10 however the main detail of continual prayer that I would like to focus our attention to today is the continual fire upon the bronze altar of offerings the continual fire upon the bronze altar of offerings from which the life of the temple depended it was the life of the temple that never was to dim not day not night it needed to continually burn the thing is that the fire of the bronze altar of offerings symbolized the testified symbolized and testified of the personal presence of the Lord that is the Holy Spirit or the spirit of life that later came down in fiery pillars and fiery tongues upon the first disciples of the Lord a sign of the appearance of the new man the new man being the last Adam or Jesus Christ and so it was written the first man Adam became a living being the last Adam became a life-giving spirit however the spiritual is not first but the natural and afterward the spiritual the first man was of the earth made of dust the second man is the Lord from heaven as was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as it is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. 1 Corinthians 15, 45-50 Apostle Peter spoke, saying that in order to carry the image of heaven, it is necessary to taste the graciousness of the Lord Jesus. 1 Peter 2, 3-5 If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen 
chosen by God and precious. You also as a living stone are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2, 3-5 Therefore, in order to build of yourself a spiritual house or a house of prayer to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, it is necessary to accept the life of the Holy Spirit in the format of fire that raise our prayers to God in the format of various offerings and the format of the finely ground fragrant incense or spices. And so again, on this bronze altar, this, these were various offerings and the, and the format of finely ground fragrant incense or spices. <clears throat> From the words of Apostle Peter, we can see that until we build of ourselves a spiritual house and God breathes into our spiritual person the life of the Holy Spirit in the format of His fire, we will not be able to be worshippers of God possessing the right to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ and the right to be a fragrance of Christ. And so pretty much children in Christ or ch spiritual children in Christ who think they cannot enter and they cannot offer, they don't have anything yet. They can receive the baptism uh, in speaking in tongues, but they don't receive the Holy Spirit as their Lord. They received Him as their guest. He came and He left, and they keep inviting Him in their services. And so this fire actually is not existing. The fact that they are inspired and they shout, this is their own personal fire, the profane fire. These are their emotions. They, they, feel, they sometimes even are lit up by other fires, but not, uh, not the the fire of God. To better understand how to build yourself into the virtue and quality of the bronze altar of offerings, it is necessary to understand that not just how not just how the fire of God comes down upon the bronze altar of offerings, but also who and and in what way is this fire maintained or kept? Therefore, it is necessary for us to study what is the virtue and definition of the golden lamp, what or who upkeeps or maintains the fire of the golden altar, or who is responsible for the upkeep of the fire of the golden lamp. <coughs> And so the fire came down upon the altar, and the fire, from this fire, all the rest of the fire was lit that was in the temple. It is necessary for us to understand, again, who upkeeps or maintains the fire of the golden lamp, or who is responsible for the upkeep of the fire of the golden lamp, what is the virtue and definition of the bronze altar, what or who upkeeps or maintains the fire of the bronze altar, or who is responsible for the upkeep of the fire of the bronze altar. Further, what place does the fire come from that lights up the lamp, also the lighting of the fire of the bronze altar? And what differences are there between the purpose of the fire of the gold lamp and the purpose of the fire of the bronze altar? And finally, what conditions are needing to be fulfilled to receive the fire for lighting up of the cord of the bronze altar and oil of the golden lamp? Proverbs 20, 27, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all of the inner depths of the heart. The gold lamp is a symbol of the newborn spirit of man from God, grown into full measure in Christ whose conscience is cleansed from dead works, a conscience that is cleansed from dead works. Therefore, not every born from God's spirit of man is able to experience or try all the depths of the heart. Here's what Jesus said about this in his parable, Matthew 6, 22 through 23. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What this means is that this eye 
the conscience and the spirit of a person, if there is darkness there, he is born from God, but he is not the light for the world because he is not able yet to show this light. He shows himself instead or religion or his denomination or something else, but he cannot show the light and the scriptures say if the light that is in you darkness how great then is that darkness let's talk about the fact it talks about the fact that the light that is in man from which he was born he, but he still has darkness I will uh, show a moment and the Lord said let there be light and there was light and the Lord saw that there was light and that it was good and separated the light from the darkness and called the light day and the night darkness he called night the Sun and the moon and the stars were created in the fourth day but this light already existed and darkness existed also before these uh, great uh, bodies of the of the sky existed <clears throat> this means that you you have life when the, the Lord said may there be light and there was light God breathed light life into the minerals the earth became alive if you take the earth from or the 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 soils from other planets the minerals would be dead the those who study want to find out if there's waters there or other things there's dead water and there's living water minerals a living minerals the whole earth is living even in the inside where there Everything is moving. It is alive. There's when God said, "Let there be light." He breathed mineral uh, life into the minerals. He resurrected. The earth was dead before this. And here, when the spirit of a man receives Jesus Christ, he becomes as this lamp, whose light is as darkness. But if the light in you is darkness, then how great is that darkness? So that we understand that. Not all can be a golden lamp that burns, but only those who have left their position of spiritual childhood. And so the fire of the golden lamp depended from the pure oil that was beaten from mature olives. The right to pour the oil from the vessels into the cups or tubes of the lamp in the morning and in the evening belonged to Aaron, the high priest. The right to beat the oil from mature olives and to bring them to Aaron belonged to the nation of Israel, that is, the warriors in prayer. Understandably, the olives are the fruits of the olive tree. These symbolize people that God has placed that that God has placed so that they be medians in passing on his revelations who are two authoritative springs that stand before God of all the earth. These are the word of God and the Holy Spirit himself, symbolizing the Urim and the Thummim. 2 Corinthians 1, 20-22 For all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him amen to the glory of God through us. Through these uh, olives, from there you can get oil. I give olives, but beating them is your job. And to bring to the priest, to your spirit, and he will already pour it into your lamp and your lamp will burn. But this is just for those people, again, who already came out of this position of, of spiritual childhood. Till this time, if, if, they're, if they're still in that, they can't uh, beat these olives. And it's not that darkness that where the devil is or evil is, it's a different darkness. For all of the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us, Second Corinthians 1.20. Not a single promise can be received if you will not be binded 
to God's delegated person. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us as God, who has also sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. To the one he gave the anointing to pass on information and to the other to receive this information, his urim. Therefore, to obtain oil for your lamp, it was necessary to purchase it from the seller. That is from those people that plant the seed of the word of God and those who water the seed. To purchase oil means to receive the delegated person of God to be obedient to that word that he passes on in his preaching. The symbol of the bronze altar is our ability to judge not our neighbor, but ourselves, upon the foundation of the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. And this judgment is called to be expressed in you building yourself into a spiritual house. 1 Peter 2.5 You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The tending or upkeeping of the fire of the bronze altar depended from the laying out of chopped wood upon the altar. The responsibility of chopped wood for the bronze altar and bringing it to the courtyard of the temple belonged specifically to the Gibbonites. And the responsibility of laying the wood upon the bronze altar each morning belonged exclusively to the priests, the sons of Aaron. Leviticus 6, 8 through 13. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth upon the altar all night until morning, and the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it. The Gibbonites chopping wood and bringing water for the altar is the symbol of of our mind that is renewed by the spirit of our mind. And finally, the, the last question, from what spring does the fire come to light up the lamp and to light up the bronze altar? And what is the difference between the purpose of the fire of the golden lamp and the bronze altar? Because our prayer, if it will not be uh, done in spirit, but only upon the bronze altar, it hasn't done its course, then the all altar will be pro, uh, defiled. Based upon the scripture, the fire that lights up the lamp and the bronze altar are supernatural, is supernatural fire as it comes from heaven to from God. Psalm 18, <clears throat> Psalm 18, 28, For you will light my lamp, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. This darkness, uh, uh, disposition of childhood, spiritual childhood, is, is lit up by God. You see, when the fire came down upon the altar of burnt offerings, 2 Chronicles 7, 1 through 4. Then Solomon had finished praying. Fire came down. He built the, uh, the temple, if you remember, and there was no fire. The temple wasn't living. God wasn't yet there. Everything was there. The altar was there. The lamp was there. The Ark of the Covenant was there. <coughs> the golden table of showbreads. But the altar <coughs> or the temple is not alive. Then Solomon had finished praying. Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple <coughs> and the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped, the, worshipped and praised the Lord saying for he is good for his mercy endures forever the king and the nation began to offer sacrifices before the face of God. The purpose of the fire of the golden lamp 
is called to identify the supernatural energy of the life of God in the spirit of man. At the same time, the purpose of the fire of the bronze altar is called to identify the hunger and thirst of God. The hunger and thirst of God. This was the, the table, the bronze altar is the, is the table from, from where God feeds or, or eats. And so when a, a, a person offered, so the, the, the purpose of the golden lamp identified supernatural energy of the life of God in us, in the new person. But the bronze altar called to identify the hunger and thirst of God. Considering that the supernatural fire of God that came down from heaven, from God upon the bronze altar that was outside in the courtyard, used continuously to light up the uh, fragrance or the fire of the fragrance and the lamp itself. And so the fire that was that is produced by men in comparison to the fire that comes from heaven is seen as profane fire. We can also produce fire. But the, if the, there's a fire that comes that is supernatural and there's a fire that comes from, from us. If you try to make a fire, there's a lot of things, a lot of methods today to, to light a fire, as you know. Elect electricity and so forth. But it's completely different than the fire that comes from heaven. <clears throat> and is seen as profane fire and the attempts of the sons of Aaron in their time Nedbad and Abiyu they attempted to use profane fire and they died then Nadab and Abiyu the son of Aaron each took his censer and put fire in it put incense on it and offered profane fire before the Lord which he had not commanded them so fire went out from the Lord and devoured them and they did, did, they did die before the Lord and Moses said to Aaron this is what the Lord spoke, saying, But those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. Leviticus 10, 1 through 3. You see that prayer needs to be lifted up in spirit and not in our feelings. We can sometimes inspire our feelings. Our preach our, our uh, unfortunate preachers can inspire our feelings inflame our fe feelings to deceive themselves and deceive others you see I sit calmly I'm not attempting to uh, uh, inspire your feelings and to boost them I could do this but I refuse to do this once and forever I refuse to do this I want to speak calmly so that the truth would enter and that the true fire burn the, the supernatural fire not the fire of emotions the profane fire but the fire of the Holy Spirit light up our spirit that your spirit be lit up by the Holy Spirit this is what is important further we note that the fire of the bronze altar is a symbol and testimony of the personal presence of of God, that is the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Life, El Hai, that by the format of revelations of Urim came down and revealed the purpose or meaning of the Thummim by the means of the wood that was laid out upon the altar that represented the truth of the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. The profane fire is the attempt to pass out from your mind the revelations as if the Holy Spirit but not the Holy Spirit. And so from this we can see that the prayer that is lifted up by a man that who is who is not a king and a priest will not that prayer will not be received the final question what conditions are to be fulfilled to receive the fire for the lighting up of the bronze altar and the 
oil of the golden lamp. Yes, we are a light, we're born, but what do we need to do so that our sun, moon, and stars light, that the supernatural fire start come down? I'm not meaning baptism of the Holy Spirit is fire, but so that it, he be as our Lord. Mostly people receive him as a guest, as a, gr- a greatly respected or honored guest. And Paul tells them, yes, you speak in tongues and you don't have a lack of other gifts, but you are people of the flesh not having the spirit. That's what Peter says, that's what Apostle Jude talks about, about people, about that first church, that it was of the flesh not having the spirit in their most part. And so the final condition, giving God the ability to allow fire to come down, that that being the Holy Spirit, that will present the Urim and the breastplate of judgment within our heart to open up for us the meaning of the Thummim written upon the tablets of our heart in the format of the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh was the bronze <clears throat> ambon, which was also present, a very interesting item that existed. Second <clears throat> Chronicles 6.12 and lower. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. For Solomon had made a bronze platform. This is a platform, bon, which is the name of the platform, five cubits long, five cubits wide, and three cubits high, and had set on it the midst of the court. And he stood on it, knelt down on his knees before all the assembly of Israel, and spread out his hands towards heaven. And so if you can imagine, five cubits long is about about three meters, a square, and five cubits wide, so a meter, and made of bronze, and he was in the middle of this platform. He stood and lifted his hands to God, and he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven or on earth like you. You keep your covenant and mercy with your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. You have kept what you promised your servant David, my father. You have both spoken with your mouth and fulfilled it with your hands as it is this day. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. You see what needs to happen so that the fire come down. The fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifice and the glory of the Lord filled the temple and the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their face to the ground on the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his, for his mercy endures forever. And so bronze, from which this platform was built, talks about the royal virtue where a person was able to judge himself within the boundaries of God's requirements. When you're able to judge yourself in accordance to God's given law that is placed into your heart, then you have this virtue of a king. You are then a king. The measurements of the bronze platform with the five cubits and the three cubits is accepting over your three aspects, spirit, soul, and body, uh, the delegated authority of God, that is the person that God has placed. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers 
So there's one, two, three, four, and five for the keeping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the statue, stature of the fullness of Christ. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. You need to accept and respect the person and listen to what he says because this is a person from God. In result, the role of the bronze platform will fulfill for King Solomon and all kings and all prince the threshold of the temple where offerings that are offered upon the bronze altar will be worshiping God in the Sabbath. Ezekiel 46, 1 through 3. Thus says the Lord God, the gateway of the inner court that faces towards the east shall be shut the six working days, but on the Sabbath it shall be opened, and on the day of the new moon it shall be opened. The prince shall enter by the way of the vestibule of the gateway from the outside and, the stand, and stand by the gatepost. The priest shall prepare his burnt offering and his peace offerings. He shall worship at the, at the threshold of the gate. Then he shall go out, <clears throat> but the gate shall not be shut until evening. Likewise, the people of the land shall worship at the entrance to this gateway before the Lord on the Sabbath and the new moons. <clears throat> the only person who was able to enter in is King David. He was a high priest at the same time. He was not just a king. He was a high priest and a prophet all at the same time. This is the only... Maybe Moses and Samuel also had these. They were also kings and prophets and priests and were able to enter into the temple. David was able to do this also, and but when... One other attempted to do this. He, we know that he was he became leprous and he continued to be leprous for the rest of his life. The fact that the prince doesn't enter into the temple but allows the priests to do the sons of Aaron talks about the fact that he accepts the authority that is placed over him. In our situation, that is accepting. Uh, this acceptance is accepting over ourselves the authority of the person that God has placed <clears throat> through him he will proclaim all of his promises that belong to us in Jesus Christ I will read this place once more for all of the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us 2 Corinthians 1.20 now he establishes, establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God who has also sealed us and given us the spirit in our heart as a guarantee secondly this is accepting over yourself that authority of the new person by the path of removing and discrediting the former way of life that put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God into righteousness and holiness Ephesians 4 22 through 24 Till this time, our mind uh, served our feelings, but now the feelings, our feelings, need to serve our renewed mind. A renewed mind will not allow the feelings to 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 control him. He will, but when we have some kind of emotion, some kind of desires, we understand they're not sinful, but we make our mind do something to serve these feelings, and then our mind finds places in the Bible. Okay, it says, "Do not drink." Too too much. That means uh, I can drink in small amounts. That means that, but where it says do not drink, it says do not drink. It does do not be satisfied with it. One is not drink enough, but one uh, a lot, but another is don't drink it at all. And the this unrenewed mind finds in its uh, finds places in the scripture to uh, justify uh, behavior that he wants to do. 
It means not to drink and not to be uh, find pleasure in it, because you will not be able to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit or the fire of the Holy Spirit. The priests were told you were not to drink any kind of alcoholic beverages so that you not perish when you enter in. And we, 24 hours a day, are priests in our temple. And so these two factors can't ever work separate from each other. When we have acceptance of the authority that God has placed over us and our spirit, who stands above our unrenewed or old mind or method of thinking. And specifically by these two factors, our worship will be that concluding condition giving God the ability to dress us or dress our cover, dress our prayer into the fire of the Holy Spirit or show the virtues of the Urim. <clears throat> the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, these, O oh God, you will not despise. You can give yourself as an offering, Psalm 51, 17, 18, 19. 51, 17 through 19. And so if I offer myself my spirit is not a sacrifice, then if, if my spirit is not offered or sacrificed with my body, then it will not be acceptable. The sacrifice of God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of, then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings, and they shall offer bulls on the altar. And so, when you can say of yourself, I am a wall and my breast like towers, and I will be like one in his eyes who is, uh, has found perfection. And so, the brokenness of the golden lamp is represented in the way that it was prepared. You shall also make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand shall be of hammered work. Its shaft, its branches, its bowls, its ornamental knobs, its flowers shall be of one piece. We know that hammered means you need to take a piece of gold a weight of a talent of weight and hammer out of it this lamp and everything that it had the shaft its branches and bowls and ornamental knobs and flowers and so you were able to see on it this hammered work it wasn't as they show sometimes a very smoothly a perfect lamp it, it, you were able to see upon it this hammered work it shall be made of a talent of pure gold with all these utensils and so this is the humility or the brokenness of our new heart the symbol and so the symbol of the wall identifying perfection in our heart in brokenness and humility makes our offering upon the bronze altar acceptable to God if the spirit is broken, then the offering that we bring, the prayer that we offer upon the bronze off altar will be acceptable to God. Today, I just wanted to show a warrior in prayer and in what way this prayer captures all of the essence of a person capturing first his spirit, his soul, and then his body. 
Considering that our time is up, we will bend our knees and we will pray and thank God for that service that we were able to have today, for that communication with the service with God, with with the word that and the word that He allowed us to hear today. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we bend our knees before you in the house of prayer that you have appointed to serve your holy name. You prepare us as warriors in prayer so that we would be able to give you the ability to do your work on planet earth that we would allow you to do through us and in us your glory because you want to heal your people you want to show your glory through your people you want to make them sons of light you show us that not all your children become sons of light because if their light is darkness they will not be able to shine I pray Lord in the name of Jesus Christ, that our hearts be lit up with the desire and the purpose to leave this spiritual position of childhood, to leave this position, to be crucified with Christ in his death, allow us by carrying our cross and collaborating with the cross of Christ to come out of this position of a spiritual childhood and die for your corrupt desires so that your desires would be only with the motives of God would be in our prayers and our worship we would be able to confront and and go oppose hell because a warrior in prayer as your worshiper have all of the ability to force hell to tremble in a warrior in prayer has the power to make hell stop so that they be silent so that the unclean forever close their mouth and be silent may your warriors be blessed before your face that you prepare for these last days the last day for your bride before you take her from this earth all of the situations on this earth shows that you're soon coming for your bride. You soon will come as a thief comes and no one will expect it or where he will come from. But you will come to take only what belongs to you. Only, and your coming will be similar at, to a thief, but you will not take what is not yours. You will take only what belongs to you. You will take your own, the chosen who have prepared themselves to meet with you in the air. And those who have loved your coming and live with this coming and appearance and prepare themselves for it, that stand up every day and proclaim the not existent as existent. We thank you, Father, the Father of strength. We thank you that we are able to have this bronze altar and this golden lamp, and that the fire that burns upon the one and upon the other can between each other have dependence although they fulfill different purposes we thank you Lord that you reveal to us in your word who we are before you who you want to see us as 
You want to show that there is no place for darkness. There is no place for all, any depression. While there is depression, while it pursues man, it will talk about the fact or testify of the fact that this person is not a warrior in prayer. A warrior in prayer cannot experience depression. He has fire upon his altar and it burns. And when he begins to offer sacrifices upon this altar and prays in the power of the Holy Spirit, then there's no place for depression. There's no place for depression and all of hell will leave, all the doubt will leave because your fire is your, the power that is in your strength. Hell is afraid of that fire. But we thank you for this fire. We have accepted you as our Lord and our Master. We continually exp uh, test ourselves and search whether we are in the faith, how close we are to you, how ready we are to meet with you. May your word be blessed in your holy nation forever and ever. We worship before you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Когда море бушует, следуй за мной, когда тьма торжествует. Следуй за мной через терни шипы, следуй, лишь следуй за мной. And now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.